Hello, and welcome to another bland and musicless introduction to the Build Something show. In this episode, episode three, the gang discusses how to grow an audience and also how to understand what your audience really needs. The gang also experiments with not having an agenda. As expected, hilarity ensues. Three, two, one. <laughs> three, two, one. Hey, what's up, everyone? And welcome to episode three of Build Something. You can check us out at buildshow.co uh, and you can get a sense of uh, our past episodes and watch some replays. Um, but just to give a quick introduction, my name is Tom Tate. Uh, I'm here with my two friends and co-hosts and uh, we are here to build something. Uh, we are working to build kind of an online community of builders, uh, of, of people who love to innovate create, uh, whether they start up businesses, solve problems, build products or non-products, whatever it is. Uh, we just love to uh, share our experiences and most of all, learn from everyone. Uh, and we, we have a decent idea of who our audience is, but the topic today should really uh, shed some light on that. So let's just go around uh, real quick. You guys can introduce yourself uh, and then we can get started. Hey, I'm Chris. I'm a creative director and I've been having a lot of fun uh, meeting people through this uh, blab in this community so far. Can't wait to see what happens this week. <laughs> yep. Hey, everybody. I'm Megan. I'm a product manager. Um, I share the group's excitement. Um, I'm excited about the unpredictability and then meeting new people this week. Yeah, I just put our, our link in, in the uh, in the chat here. So if you want to check out our site, um, you can just see episodes one and two are, are up there. Uh, and I'll kind of give a quick recap of the last topic. So uh, last week we talked about uh, frameworks for solving problems. And the frameworks that we selected are, are typically used for startups or, or if you're building a product. Um, and one of the elements in, in, in that was consistent throughout was identifying your audience. Uh, and that kind of got us to to start talking internally, like, have we done that yet? Like, have we done a good job identifying our, our, our audience? And like, if you haven't done a good job, how do you, where do you start? Uh, so how do you find your, your tribe? How do you find your audience? And then after you do find them, how do you keep them engaged? So we've done a lot of different things, you know, and I'm not gonna say they've all been great. I mean, some good, some bad, some indifferent um, to try to engage all the, the awesome people that we've met since starting this uh, and, and the people that we've yet to meet. Um, so really those two questions kind of guided us to come up with this topic, you know, which is getting to know your audience. And uh, I'm really happy to see a few people kind of drop in here because we are definitely looking forward to get, getting to know you two uh, today throughout this episode. Um, so I'm going to open up with a question uh, for, for Chris and Megan. Uh, I guess, Megan, you can, you can start, uh, first and then we'll move on to Chris. But I, my question is, do so we are built something. We came together three, four weeks ago to decide, you know, that we were going to do this thing um, with a loose definition of our audience. Do we really know who our audience is? Uh, that is the question of the hour. Um, so we had, and I'm sure we'll get into this, uh, a lively discussion about if we know our audience or not. Um, I believe that because we know um, the problem that we're trying to solve, which is loosely to build a community of builders and makers, 
um, that we, we know that audience. Um, I think that as part of this experiment, we're getting to know them as we go and understanding who that is exactly uh, more. But I think we have a general idea of audience and kind of of the, uh, we heard, we had the privilege of hearing Jared Moore's speak of the just start mentality sure. um, and show up consistently. We're, we're trying it and having the benefit of meeting people along the way. Chris, I'll turn it over to you. Um, you know, same question. Do we, do we really know our audience? So I had a different perspective, not on the whole question necessarily, but sure. when we were talking about this being the topic for this week, um, it struck me that I had never really thought about our audience in a meaningful way, other than just, you know, trying to connect people to, uh, to build something together. Like that was in my head, the extent of our audience which is really cool and aspirational and fun. But then when I started thinking about, okay, for this show, um, how do we deliver something of value in this conversation? I realized that I had not thought about this enough. Like I hadn't thought about where our audience was. Like where are people who want to build something and are building something right now and who have this gap in community? I hadn't thought about any of that. So. Uh, up until we had that topic, I'm only speaking for myself, I had just been making uh, decisions about you know, what I spent my time on based on what I wanted to do because I thought it was cool as opposed to because I was thinking about um, the awesome people that we've been interacting with so far. So it was eye-opening for me, even the idea of the question. Um, and personally, I... You know, I don't feel like I have as strong an understanding of who our audience is as maybe you guys do. Well, what is your current understanding? Like if you and, and, and it's interesting because you built our uh, Mad Libs uh, widget um, and, and you kind of took the opportunity to fill it out uh, without consulting us. <laughs> Not that you had to. Right. Like like this is this is totally a. Uh, I don't know, democracy, whatever, whatever. Um, I'm sorry, Tom. I'm sorry. You didn't consult us on the Mad Lib uh, content that you decided to choose. You went rogue. But, but when you filled out, um, when you filled out the audience, you wrote inventors and entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that it? Like, what do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that is who I think about. Like, I know I err on the side of when I'm thinking about build something of um, – building things, you know, like building products or, sure. you know, physical or digital things. And I think less about the relationships between people. And that, I mean, I guess that is kind of starkly evident in the way that you introduced what we were hoping to do with build something and the way that I think about um, build something where you were talking about building a community. And I still like in the back of my mind, think of, Oh man, um, we're going to build things. It's just an interesting, I don't think they're exclusive necessarily, but it's interesting how we, um, we focus on aspects of it that are different. Because yeah. like my, my, I, th I think about the community, but I think about it as a means to invention. Things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. To, to create tangible things um, that are going to help solve additional problems that will continue to serve the community, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I actually, when I was setting up our, our SoundCloud page, so for anybody who's just checking in, uh, we do have a, a podcast that is really just uh, replayed audio from these Blab recordings, and they're hosted on SoundCloud, and I had to write a description of Build Something. So I did not consult with 
uh, Chris and Megan on this. So we, we have a nice track record of not consulting with each other, <laughs> which I love. Which We're the group great. anti-group. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. Um, but we seem to be on the same wavelength, so it works. Uh, but I said build something as a weekly show for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, builders, makers, thinkers, and tinkerers. Um, I don't know where I came up with that. And to me, maybe that's too like all like widespread, all inclusive. Um, you know, but like, I, I, I think we're all on the same page, right? It's just a matter of like, now that we have a general sense of who the persona is, uh, and we can talk about, you know, what personas are, right. And, and kind of how to, how to think about personas and define them. And maybe we'll get into that shortly, but I think what we got hung up on, um, when we were talking about this before the show was now that we have this general sense of who the audience is, like, where are they? Right. Like, how do we find out where they are? Uh, because right now we're very, we're very engaged in blab and Twitter. Uh, but are, does that, is that making the assumption that our, our, these audience, this audience of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, thinkers, tinkerers, inventors, like they're only on blab. Of course not. You know? So like, I'm really, I'm really curious. Um, Megan, any, any thoughts on your end? Yeah. So um, just real quick, and you kind of touched on this before for those of us joining us today. So persona loosely defined is the, the person that you're solving a problem for. So we talked a lot about how to figure that out. And so for me, the audience is the collection of those personas. Um, So I think that uh, Jonathan J.D. Gadby had a um, really great question, which is really what we're trying to answer is how do you go about learning who your audience is? Um, And I think that we are um, approaching that by experimenting. So we're giving it a try. We we generally know the problem that we're solving. And even though, which is what I like about this group, we have a different way of approaching that solution. Um, We're still just putting one foot in front of the other. And um, seeing as we go, ooh, sorry about mispronouncing your name, Gaby. I love that. the word you describe or you chose to uh, to anchor off of there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so anyway, so um, I think that for us, how do you learn who your audience is? Is just trying it out, and so we're trying out um, a platform in Blab, um, and then we'll try other places um, as well. So individually, we do Twitter, a little bit of social media here and there. Um, I think we have different mediums such as like email marketing we could try, we could try out. Um, but we're just trying to see where we can resonate and engage. Um, Jonathan, do you mind putting in chat, like who you are and what you do? Um, Cause I think that like one of the best ways to find out and learn more about your audience is just to ask them, um, ask more about them, you know? So you're here. I mean, you're, you're, this is the first time you've joined us, but I'm really excited that you did join us because now we have the opportunity to kind of ask you and learn about, you know, what brings you to Blab today? How did you find us? Who, who's your audience, you know, and what are some successful ways that you're, you're doing that? And if you want to jump on the open seat, feel free to do so too. That would be awesome. So, yeah, I, I mean, no pressure, <laughs> no pressure. There. But, um, and, and we'll, and we'll kind of keep talking to you online communication practitioner. That sounds awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I think Blab is a really great platform uh, that we've kind of stumbled upon, which allows us to do this. Because if we were just recording a podcast, um, like there was a, a, a earlier question um, from Purple Select, you know, on SoundCloud, how do you build an audience on SoundCloud? I think that's that's really a, a more challenging than building an audience through something like this or Twitter. 
uh, where you really have the opportunity to engage with people. Um, so like for, for me, I think one of the reasons why we've gravitated towards those two platforms is just the ease in which we can talk to people um, and, and also participate. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Bill show. You're not kidding. It's very true. Um, but yeah, just the ease in which you can participate and jump into conversations that already exist. And I think um, like medium seems to be taking off. And I think the reason why medium is taking off is because that's really all it is. is it, it's a conversation that's happening. So you can choose to either be in it or not be in it. And I think that when you, you jump into it, you know, and you have something valuable to say, um, that's when you start to, you know, potentially emerge as like a tribe leader in, in, in a tribe that's already congregating. Right. So I think it's about having a, a strong voice uh, in communities that already exist, uh, but then taking the time to, to join a conversation and really listen to, to what's on the other side. Um, are we trying to build a community on SoundCloud? So that's a um, a question that that click. That, oh, sorry, uh, that was asked. me asking. Yeah, okay, Purple gotcha. Select. Yeah, I, I'm really interested to hear that because I I've encountered a lot of challenges with SoundCloud just in terms of like getting a sense of there's some metrics on like how many people played our podcast episodes, but yeah, I, it's very anonymous. You really don't have a sense of who uh, is actually listening, um, and there's really not too much commentary as well. So that's that's challenging, um, and because our 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 podcast episodes are really just recordings of the the, the blab, uh, we really don't have strong call call to actions on those. You know, so like normally, if if we were doing a traditional podcast, I would say we would end it or we would incorporate strong calls to actions uh, for the audience to really get involved with us. You know, whether it was tweet at us um, or to email us or join our email list and things like that. And and we've really been maybe over relying on blab uh to directly interact like in the actual session right yeah um, you know you've so, been uh, you raised a really interesting point though about the nature of things like blab and twitter um even as opposed to other platforms like um like youtube where blab and twitter are just inherently social like they're all about conversation where you know youtube is a content portal that has social features and some of the social features are great, but they're really secondary to the content. But like this Blab show would not be anywhere near as interesting as I think it is without people participating while we're doing it, you know? Um, same thing with Twitter. The reason that um, it's been such a relatively successful way for us to engage with people is because it's two-way, you know? That's what uh, I think uh, maybe I'm starting to feel and understand about some of our experimentation is when we're interacting with um, two-way communications, um, we tend to see more engagement and interest from people. There's less friction to connecting with people there. So just scrolling through some of the comments. So Olivia says, you know, sometimes your audience doesn't end up being the same as what you thought it was, and that's okay. You know, iterate on it. And I think that that's really important. So thumbs up. I'll start that one. Um, yeah, I, I think that's really important too. And I think that, again, it's the two-way conversations that really help you identify that. Uh, but also where you go to attract the audience because like, if your audience ends up not being the same as what you thought it was, that might also impact the problem that you thought you were solving, which could jeopardize mm -hmm. the whole, you know, your whole operation of like what you were trying to build in the first place. So if your audience ends up being different than what you thought it was, um, you know, maybe in, instead of just kind of like swallowing that pill and iterating on it, which you can do, and I agree, 
like maybe you've been looking in the wrong place. You know what I mean? And, 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 and instead of just kind of saying like, okay, I need to rethink my audience, you know, maybe you just need to rethink where your audience might already be having conversations and interject there, which I think is some of the things that we were discussing in terms of just being on Blab and Twitter is like, are we missing out on other opportunities to participate and attract the audience? Um, yeah. And I think it's really interesting too, <clears throat> to, I just thought about like this whole idea of an audience. So like the really strict definition of our audience to me in my head is like a person talking to a group of people. It lacks that, that dialogue part, that, that community part. And so, um, you know, if you're focusing on mediums where there really isn't a community element to it, then maybe you're just kind of setting yourself up for some, you know, some, some emptiness, like you going to a place where you can have the conversation, where you can, you know, build this, tribe where you can have that dialogue that's the important part you know focusing on those things and then figuring out your distribution platform around that um it's more beneficial yeah that's really interesting yeah, I, I i like that a lot i mean so i'm gonna say this and hopefully one of you will help me find a way to say this a little bit better but um one of the things that uh i'm gonna just focus on blab for right now that's great about Blab is since it's participatory, you know, and, and people, what makes it interesting is not just what we're saying, but what people are, how people are, are interacting with us. That kind of allows us to um, not have to focus on certain aspects of our, our content that we would focus on if we were producing something that was strictly like broadcasting to people. Right. So like, if you look at my, my um, video right now, it looks like super green and weird and things like that. But the benefit of this uh, channel that we're on isn't that people are going to see how beautiful I am, although I am on Blab <laughs> and react to that. The benefit here is that they're going to hear what we're saying. And if it's interesting, be able to participate back with us. So that, I mean, that whole long rambling sentence was to uh, just support what you just said, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, and to not go on too much of a, of a, bunny trail like i think that is one of the beauty that's the beauty of blab and one of the nuances that we're learning is that the production value for us it doesn't have to be high we don't have to worry about the lighting and i mean the mic quality would be good um as long as you can hear us but really the the important part is the conversation and the community building that is the most important um the other polish isn't as important so Here's a question, and this is something that we started to talk about, and then we stopped. Um, so we we started building build something a couple weeks ago, and one of our kind of immediate uh, impulses was to build a website, right? So I think one of the first things that we did after the initial blab was, man, we really need a domain and a website and this and that, and you know, like I set up a quick, you know, a a AWS bucket, um, which is probably tech jargon for most people here. Um, and, and Chris built a website really, really fast that could host our, our Blab. And we've been sending people to that website. Uh, and a couple of these comments, you know, between uh, JD Gaby and uh, Purple Select, you know, are talking about, you know, your podcast community should exist on your podcast's website, you know, via comments and such. So like I am of the mindset um, and I feel really strongly about this, that, that your website, your own carved out little space on the web is really, really important um, for your audience to have 
uh, as like your your primary touch point, right? Like I, I, I definitely agree with the idea that you shouldn't build an empire on rented property. Um, you know, so like if we were just blab, all blab all the time, um, I think that that would be a problem because the day that that blab decides to go blab pro or like something happens with blab, then like our audience, we lose touch with our audience, right? Like we wouldn't have, they wouldn't have an ab- the ability to see where we're at and where we decided to move on to. Uh, and we wouldn't have the ability to interact with them. So I'm curious, you know, cause you know, Chris, you were kind of questioning, um, was it really that important for you to go and build that website so quickly? And like, is it really serving anybody? And the traffic isn't really that high. So like we do track the traffic and I'll, kind of share more about that in a bit but like i feel really strongly about that like you should have a home you should have your own platform but like do you do you think that that's that's a an issue yeah so i would love feedback from anybody who's listening to this because this tom and i have a friendly disagreement about this and i was gung-ho about building the website um and like building little tools and things uh when we started this and i still am really happy that we did it but I hadn't, what I've been thinking a lot about is when I went to build that, I hadn't given any thought to what I was doing or thought to who the audience was. Um, So like my, the thing I've been thinking about a lot is, was that the best use of my time? If I was really thinking about the community that, you know, we all want to be a part of, like if right now, and this is a hypothetical that I don't know the answer to, like if right now, Um, our primary audience, the people that we can reach with the least amount of friction and connect with the least amount of friction are on Blab. Wouldn't it have been smarter for me to spend my efforts and my time and energy doing something that was um, directly going to uh, support, influence, grow the Blab community as opposed to building a a website? That's kind of where I'm coming at it from. Uh, The fact that I didn't think about how the things that I were, was doing were going to actually uh, affect what we wanted to do. And I was just doing something because it was, you know, common knowledge in, in my, my point of view that you should have a website. Megan, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think it's interesting. So I think we have a unique um, position related to a solopreneur um, in that we have our own little community of the three of us, and we each bring a different perspective um, to this build something thing, um, which I, I think is kind of helpful for the conversation because we all have um, a different perspective, whereas one person like doesn't have that filter ability. Um, but I think it solves a different problem. And I, I think we just, using the skills that we had, we stepped forward and gave it a shot. And I think that overall, my biggest thesis on this is when you're building something, just try it. And so hopefully this community will help those people just trying something and we can give you some ideas on lessons that we've learned or best practices to do it better. I like our website. Scroll through. Yeah. If you call it build something, yes, I want to see what you build. So do I, I mean like, and, and really this is part of it. So we have, you know, nine people in this room right now. Like this is something like that. Like that's how I feel. Like this is something you guys are having conversations about podcasting and growing your podcast audience. That's just independent of the conversation that we're even having right now. Um, so I think that that's really cool. Like these interactions, like to me, I consider this something, you know, that's kind of happening and being built. That's really cool. I really like that. Um, 
so yeah, like, what are we building? I mean, building the, the relationships that you guys are starting to form right now, just in the chats, like, that's really cool. Um, so let me go back to like the initial question, which was like, you know, how do you go about learning who your audience is? Um, and I, I just kind of want to ask, like, are we doing the best possible job? And this is kind of an introspective question. But like, is there more that we can be doing? And if so, like, what would you guys suggest that we start doing? So Tom actually shared, uh, I'm going to say, yes, there's more that we could be doing. Um, sure. And that's, you know, we have a lot of awesome insights from people. Um, just over these past three episodes so far. Yeah, I agree with you. Always more that we could be doing. Um, yep. But what, uh, what I'm really excited about now is trying to take some of those insights that we've gleaned largely through interactions on Blab and trying to learn more about them both on Blab and in different spaces. Tom sent me this awesome uh, article this week about using low-budget Facebook and Twitter advertising buys to learn things about your audience. And the way that basically it works is if you know something about your audience to spend like five or $10 on a Facebook ad buy targeting that audience. And then um, looking at the results you get back from that ad buy for people who engaged and didn't engage. Because one of the things that you get through um, Facebook advertising and Twitter advertising is similar interests of people who engaged with your ads. So if you're targeting people based on small business, you're going to get back other interests that those people have. So you might see that with the community of people who engaged with your ads, like say we ran a Facebook ad that was like build something, um, connecting innovators and uh, inventors and entrepreneurs. That was the messaging we went out with. We might find some um, common interests that people had who responded well and clicked through that ad. So maybe we find out that they're interested in robots or they're interested in cooking or, or, you know, like a TV show like the X-Files or something. And then we know something new about our audience that we didn't in the past. Like that's the sort of stuff that I think we, we could start experimenting with. If we're all about experimentation, you know, we can start trying some of these um, crazier off the wall things. Uh, And that really gets me pretty stoked. Yeah, I just more had a, a comment um, that it is a really exciting time to be building something because there's so many ways that you can experiment that are fairly low cost to you. Um, it might cost you a little bit of time, but you can start a blab. You can have a, a Twitter handle. Um, you can you know, publish on various sources, even as a guest blogger on, a, on blogs. Um, there's no financial investment that you need to make. Um, so you can try things and see what works. Um, and iterate quickly. So I, th- I think that's a pretty cool, pretty exciting thing. So I think now's a really great time to just talk about email uh, and an email list. So uh, we all work uh, for an ESP, an email service provider. So we actually live and breathe email marketing every day. Uh, but we've been going at Build Something for like four weeks now, and we do not have an email list. And that's <laughs> really, really interesting to me. Like that is it's almost borderline bizarre that we don't have a list, right? That we, or, and I, I hate the word list, by the way. So like that we aren't actively um, trying to get subscribers uh, to engage with them. Why? Like, why have we not done that? I, I, I have my own thoughts, but I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Is it laziness? It might be laziness. I, uh, my thought is it's, well, it's two things for me. One is, it is. Uh, it was more of a challenge and more um, fun initially to think about building out the, 
the website. And our website's kind of fun because it's all powered from a Google Doc. So we can all just uh, update it in a Google Doc and then it'll update everything on the page. And that was a fun thing for me to do that took a, a lot of, um, you know, just thinking and playing around and tinkering. And uh, dropping the web form onto the page is almost so easy that I'm always like, oh, I'll get to that when I have a second because it's so easy. And I keep doing that. And uh, because of that, I, I haven't just done it. So yeah, it probably boils down to laziness on my part. Sure. I, Thanks for pointing me in that direction, Tom. I feel that way too, but for a different reason, not for the technical aspect, but so like I am a strong believer that people aren't going to give you their email address for free. Um, you have to provide value first um, in, in order for them to, to willingly give up your, your email, their email address because nobody willingly wants more emails, right? Like nobody wakes up in the morning, checks their inbox and says, man, I really wish I had more emails today. You know, like people want less emails, right? So you have to, you know, prove your worth and prove your value and prove that, you know, you are, uh, you have a relationship worth forming. Uh, and, and part of that also involves like freebies, like freebies were talked about. I, I don't love the word freebie, but like, you know, like a valuable piece of content, whether it's, you know, a, a PDF or uh, an application or, you know, design toolkit or whatever. Um, part of it, it's an exchange, right? You're getting an email address for value. Um, and I think that that's, you know, really important to have. And I think the laziness for me was determining what that value is that we can give someone for their email address, not saying that we're not providing any value with these blabs and, and the, the recordings, but like what value are we really going to give people for the email address in exchange? Um, and I know that we can provide value. It's just, we we've, or I'll put it on myself. I've been lazy in terms of like not thinking about it, uh, determining what that is and then framing it in such a way that we can communicate it. Right. So like, until you do that first, I really feel like it's it's difficult and maybe even fruitless to even attempt starting an, an email list. Uh, maybe my okay. My commitment to the team and to uh, anybody watching is by next blab, uh, we will have uh, an email list on our website that you can sign up for and something valuable from if anyone at just me, if anyone, hopefully the whole team, but if anyone just me, I promise. In, 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 in exchange for your email address, which we will not abuse. You know what's so interesting? So uh, this is a little bit of an aside, but um, I was listening to this new podcast from Marketplace. It's called Codebreaker. And uh, I can't remember what business school it was, but there was a, a graduate business school. They were talking about email. And um, they were talking about how at this, this school, the graduate students have the ability, all of them, to blast the whole um, class. So it's like 800 people um, that they're entrusting people with the ability to, to message. Sure. And uh, at a certain point in time, one of the seniors in this business school was like, um, he sent out an email written in business speak that was basically um, calculating if it takes five seconds for everyone on this list to uh, read this email, it, uh, and you know, they leave school and their average salary is around $97,000 a year it costs $54 in time uh, every time you send an email. Yeah. So he instituted this thing called the something email tax. Watch the, uh, or listen to the podcast because it's awesome. 
But basically, it was like, if you were going to send an email to this whole group, you had to provide some value in the email. Um, or you could donate $54 to charity. But the way that he um, ended his story was with a little joke, which was his way of paying that tax. And it was, how does a pig get to a hospital? You guys know? I do, I do not. I don't know, Chris. In an ambulance. <laughs> but basically, uh, that was yeah, the yeah. way he provided value. And so what I'm going to commit to sure. is I'm going to come up with either a funny little joke or a picture of a robot <laughs> or something that's going to go in our emails okay. to pay our awesome. email tax. That's perfect. Um, I love it. So, uh, Megan, I, I don't know if you've thought about this, but, like, no email list, like, is that baffling? Is it as baffling to you as it is to me? It is not baffling to me, and I will tell you why. Um, so I agree with, like, a lot of the ideas that you guys have been putting out there. So, one, I believe email is definitely currency. And therefore, that makes our email a product. And so I think that the way that we are discovering our product and that we're framing our product is through this social experimentation where we're on Blab, we're on Twitter, we're talking with each other, and we're being very transparent in our in our ideating, I hate and love that word, um, ideating process um, with our community, right? So I think that email is absolutely part of what we'll do, um, but I think that it's our product that we're going to be selling with the currency of email. So I don't think it's laziness. I think that we're just being very deliberate with that currency. For sure. Those are my two cents. Cool. Uh, just a quick, if you just want a plus one in, in the chats, I'm curious how many people here, either you have hosted a Blab show or you plan to host a Blab show at some point, if you can just plus one um, in the comments. I'm really curious, like how many of the participants of this blab are blabbers, right? Oh, cool. So, yeah. So, you know, plus one if you've hosted. I'm, I'm curious too, like maybe plus two <laughs> if you've participated but not hosted. Um, so, purple slide, interesting, but I won't go there too technical. Is that in regards to the, the GitHub repo or blab? I'm curious. Um, JD Gaby, still too new as a platform. I'm really interested to hear your your opinion on that because, like, my thought on that is, I, I'm always very hesitant about flavor of the week, social networks and platforms, um, and really trying to like build a monetized business on something like that. Um, but, like, my thought on social is is every social network that provides you with a direct link between you and a potential audience member, the way that we're conversing right now. Like that is worth investing some time in, um, maybe not building your entire empire on as we talked about earlier, but like, you know, just the fact that we're able to talk right now adds some validity to lab, even though it is new as a platform. Um, so if you want to hop on and talk about it or just chat, I'm really curious about that comment um, because I've, I felt that way about a lot of things um, that, that don't provide enough interaction, but the level of interaction that you get from Blab um, really changed my opinion on it pretty quickly. Okay, Purple Select GitHub is a little technical and complicated. So maybe we'll try to uh, also work on an easy way uh, for people to grab uh, grab that code and get some use out of it. Yeah. Um, lab doesn't seem to be growing. Uh, I, I don't know about that one. I, I, I've been hearing a lot about it. Um, 
from all different all different uh, networks. Great platform, don't get me wrong. Still too new for average everyday use. I agree with that, right? Yeah. And and we've experienced some t- technical issues, and and it's I think, and we've talked about this before. I think there's a reason why it's still in beta, right? Like why it still has that beta tag is because it's not quite ready for prime time. And I agree, it's got great potential. Yeah, yeah I agree. You shouldn't, you know, hinge your monetized business on something like a platform like Blab. But man, I, I'm just addicted to interaction, and I love the fact that we've been able to uh, meet some great people. Um, you know, and kind of start talking, start talking to these people like, like Megan Carroll, you were here last week and now you're here this week. And I think that that's awesome, you know, so thank you. Cool. Yeah. And I actually think Blab is kind of the perfect platform for us for the reason that uh, people have been, um, you know, mentioning uh, like we're new and figuring this out and we're kind of buggy and whatnot. Like every time when we listen to the recordings of, um, of these shows, it's constantly for me, like, Oh, why did I say that? Oh, ah, ah, just over and over (laughs) again. Absolutely. So we're kind of, we're in this space where, you know, sometimes it's nice that blab is buggy because it stops me from saying something stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. But I think that speaks to, you know, what our ultimate goal is, too. And we talked I talked about this specifically earlier. It's not about the polish. It's about the connections. Um, So I'm excited about the connections we're building. And who knows where this, you know, where this castle may end up. We might end up on a totally new platform that's not out there. It might end up in, you know, a Google Hangout. Who knows? Um, But the connections are the important part and the communication is the important part. And it's cool to be able to try something new um, and bugs and all. And that's and that's why I think having our website is important because if Blab does end up not being the best platform for us to interact with the audience and we do move on, like I do want a, a kind of a home for people to to be able to track us to, uh, and that's also why kind of building um, an email list is important too, right? Because that's another way that we can directly engage with you. That's kind of platform agnostic. Um, all right, we have about ten minutes left, and there's something that we do every show, which is weekly recommendations. Uh, and I want to make sure that we have time for that. Uh, I have like the most boring recommendation ever, but I'm excited to share it with you today. Uh, but we're not going to start with me. We're going to start with Megan. All right. Um, so if you haven't been here before, these are not necessarily related to our topic at hand, um, which mine is not. Um, so today I'm recommending the uh, hipster business name generator. Drop it in the uh in the chat here. Um, but it, it's like, it's a goofy Friday thing where it will generate a hipster business name complete with logo. Um, and the person who developed this site, you can even get a t-shirt and funny swag. So this provided a nice, <laughs> this provided a nice, uh, little giggle for me. Um, it's true. I love, I love it's it. True. I love it. So if you're uh, looking Chris. for a name for your build something business, this is, that's where you can go. <laughs> and as long as it's like an artisanal spoon carving company, you know, then, uh, you'll find a name there. Yes. Um, okay. My recommendation this week is I've struggled super hard. This is what I think the most about before we do these uh, blabs, by the way. So uh, I, no pressure. I was kind of anguished over this, but I got it. Um, I'm going to recommend a person this week, and his name oh. is Rory Sutherland. Uh, he is just a, a genius of advertising and um, behavioral economics. 
He's the executive creative director at uh, Ogilvy One, and I think he's like vice chairman of Ogilvy uh, in the UK. And uh, he just has an incredibly interesting perspective on on people, on life, on advertising, and uh, the way that he sort of found his way into the role that he's in is just a fascinating story. I'm not going to tell it to you, though. you got to follow up on this a little bit. And I have two links that are really interesting um, in you know, regards to Rory Sutherland. One is a talk that he gave at TED called Life Lessons from an Ad Man, which is my favorite TED talk I have ever seen. It's funny. It's interesting. It makes you think... Um, about the world in a completely different way. The other thing I'm going to recommend is uh, a book about him called The Wiki Man. It's really short. Um, again, it's fun and interesting. And it, it tells the story of how a guy who has no business being the vice chairman of Ogilvy One or of uh, Ogilvy UK ended up in that spot. Definitely give it a read and a watch. Awesome. Okay, uh, I'm going to put a link. Oh, and Ken Gordon, the uh, name of the TED Talk was uh, Life Lessons from an Ad Man by Rory Sutherland. There's a link up just a little bit. Awesome. Okay, so I just dropped a link to a book on Amazon, and a lot of you might have already read this book because I think it, it seems to be like in the canon of uh, you know business or life related books that you should read, uh, but it's Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by uh, Greg McCohen. And I'm, I'm only like a quarter of the way through, but I know that this book is going to be a mainstay for me because what I did was I got it from the library and within like the first hour of reading it, I actually purchased it and returned it to the library because like I knew immediately that this was a book that I wanted to own. Um, that is so, a recommendation right there. Yes, yes. So, like, if you're like me uh, and you feel like you're a entrepreneur um, and you just kind of, like, float from, you know, shooting star to shooting star to shooting star and you buy, like, 15 domain names every time you think of one, um, you have to check out this book, Essentialism, which really help is helping me get away from that uh, and focus on the things that are most important, right? So like rather than spread myself too thin and try to do like 18 projects at once, uh, I'm really starting to hone in on the few projects that I think are going to add a significant amount of value, not just to me and my life, but also to the audiences that I'm trying to serve, right? Um, and also making sure that I complete things uh, because I have a really, really difficult time completing things. Like I am so uh, inspired by the start uh, and, and like amped up over like starting things. And I love getting things to like 80%, but it's that final 20% that I always lose steam on, uh, as evident in, in, uh, uh, my first novel, which is like, it, it's like 80% there. Right. So, um, I don't know. It's a great book. I definitely recommend it. Um, and if you have checked it out, uh, no spoilers. Cool. Yeah. Anyone have any recommendations in the crowd, like feel free to drop in, you know, even if you want to just share your own personal uh, projects or your own personal pursuits, you know, by all means, share them with the community. We're excited to check that kind of stuff out. Um, but yeah, this has been an awesome crowd. Uh, awesome chats, a uh, lot of commentary going on that was either 
on topic with what we were talking about, but also you guys are having your own side conversations, which, which I think is just fantastic. So uh, read platform, get noticed in a noisy world. Uh, is that Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk? I believe maybe. Oh. Okay, it looks like else. it is Michael Hyatt. Okay, cool. Yeah. I listen to Michael's podcast. Love it. All right, awesome. cool. I'm just grabbing a link for that really quick. Perfect. All right, we have about, you know, five minutes until three. I really want to try to keep this at, at an hour. So what I'm going to do is pause the recording, but we'll stick around. Um, and, and if you guys want to share anything uh, after I pause the recording, we'll stick around for another couple of minutes. All right, thank you guys so much. This has been awesome. And uh, just check us out. Again, we have a, a, a podcast. You can check us out on iTunes for all the replays. You can check us out at buildshow.co. You can check us out on Twitter at buildshowco. Um, you can check us out on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash build dash something. Um, where else can you check us out? You can check us out on Blab by following us at Build Show Co. And you can especially check us out by coming back next week, Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We don't have a topic, but we're going to be presenting that uh, probably Monday or Tuesday. Um, but yeah, this has been fantastic. And we hope to uh, chat with you guys soon and get to know you better because that was the whole point of today was to get to know the audience. And I really feel like we accomplished that. And I hope that we've imparted some, some tools and tips uh, and shared some resources so that you can continue to do the same for you, for yourself. Uh, any final words? Talk to me on Twitter. I love talking to people during the week. So hit me up. MJ Nesta. Yeah, same here. I love tweeting. It makes me feel really good. And I mean, I started, uh, this is an aside, feel free to pause in the middle of my sentence, but so Twitter switched from their star to the heart. I started out as a heart hater, but I am addicted to that little animation now. I love it. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm a convert. I, I, I do love the animation, but I'm still a little on the fence about the heart. So, all right, again, thank you guys so much. This has been awesome. 